Start with the set-aside prayer. God, please set aside everything I think I know about you, God, the steps, recovery, the big book, what's best for me, what's best for others. Especially help me let go of all my old ideas so I can live on your truth. Heavenly Father, have mercy on me, a sinner. Help me carry your message tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, we uh, we finished the uh, three pages on uh, how it works that I call the How It Works preamble. And last week, or in the last meeting, we looked at the three pertinent ideas that should be made clear to us. Uh, I'm an alcoholic and I cannot manage my life. If I manage my life, I'll drink. And if I manage my life, I'll be miserable. Never work. Probably no human power can relieve our alcoholism. Alcoholism, ism, I, self, and me. Alcoholism is the, disease, the spiritual malady, which results in the inability to say no to alcohol, and then we can't control how much we drink because we we're alcoholics, right? And then God could and would if he were sought. Could and would do what if he were sought? He can relieve us of the bondage of self. He can give me a power of choice and drink through his power, right? He can give me a power uh, designed for living that will work. So we have to be seekers. So now we're going to be a seeker of God, starting at the, right at this part of the book. So the God book started on 45, and now the God-seeking part of the book starts here. It says, being convinced of these things, I w I'm, I'm at step three. And step three is, which I'm, is where I'm going to make a decision to turn my will, which is my thinking, and my life over to God as we understood him. And I'm going to want to turn all of it over, right? Now, if I decide to turn most of it over, uh, then I'm still going to have some bad thinking and some bad actions. And as we learn, when we don't turn over, that has power over us. And then that separates us from God. So the process that we're going to go through the rest of our life is to keep turning things over to God, right? <coughs> so it says, <clears throat> the first requirement, so there's a requirement for step three. Before I can say the prayer and make the decision, I have to be convinced that my life run on self-will can hardly be a success. It'll never be successful. If I'm not convinced of that, I won't do the rest of the work. And how did I become convinced of it? Well, they're going to show us now what it looks like, so I'll be convinced that it never works. Does that make sense? <coughs> now, if I'm on self-will, I'm always in collision with something or somebody, even though my motives were good. And so if I'm in self-will, I'm going to be in collision. I'm going to be in conflict. Anybody relate to that? You can still be that way. But here's the thing. My motives were good. Now, that's not true. See, I told myself my motives were good, but they were my motives. They weren't necessarily God's motives for me. Anybody agree with that? So my motives have to be centered on God's will for me. Most people try to live by self-propulsion, their own power. It's very true. That's the human race, right? 
Each person is like an actor who wants to run the show. Anybody relate to that? Forever trying to arrange the lights, the ballet, the scenery, and the rest of the players in his own way. And you know, for a long time at work, I was trying to arrange everything at work just so it would be okay. It never worked. And so I stopped. And what's wrong with being the actor trying to run the whole show? Well, the actor's not the director. And that's the problem we have. I'm running my show, and then Stu's running his show, and I have a role in his show that I don't even know about. And I gave him a role in my show, and he's not doing it, but he doesn't even know it. And so we have to stop running the show. We have to stop arranging the lights, the ballet, the scenery, the rest of players in his own way. If my arrangements would only stay put, if only people would do as I wish, the show would be great. That makes sense. It seems like it's a good line, but it's, it's, it's never going to happen. If they would just do what I want, if they would do as I wish, it would be great. Now, it's going to be great for who? For me, but it may not be great for them. And I have my expectations or resentments waiting to happen. So if you have expectations in your relationships, they may not be met, and then you're going to be upset. Everybody, including himself, would be pleased. Now, uh, I thought that might be true, but it's not true. Because they're not pleased at times following my script. In fact, sometimes they balk. Did anybody do that? What are you saying? Why are you making me do this? Don't talk to me like that. Blah, 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 blah. Life would be wonderful. Now, life can be wonderful at times. Everything goes the way I want. But for how long? You see? And so living that way, you're always, there's always some things that makes us irritable, restless, and discontent, right? And then our emotions build up because things aren't going our way, and then we drink. It's not that complicated. In trying to make these arrangements, and these are the, the way we present ourselves just to get what we want. So in making these arrangements, I might be quite virtuous. I could even be kind, considerate, patient, generous, even modest and self-sacrificing. Why? To get the, what I want. Now, if that doesn't work, then I get to be, I could be mean, egotistical, selfish, and dishonest. And, I, and all people are like this. See, all humans have this. But we're, it says on the next page, an extreme example of this. We have various traits, but I'm always self-seeking in all our behavior. Joe and Charlie make the point that they never did anything good for somebody without um, uh, something in it for us, unless it was by mistake. <laughs> I thought about that, and it's kind of true. It's sad. And so I'm always self-seeking in all behavior, trying to get my way, arrange everything. Was it exhausting? Because on the next page, when we take the third step in the decision, it says, you know, we're relieved. We're no longer running the show. So what usually happens? If I'm the actor trying to arrange life the best I can to get what I want, having all these character defects, what usually happens? The show doesn't come off very well. So when people come in here, the show did not go well. And then they have to realize that they, that show's never going to go well. 
Now, when people come in here, they know why the show didn't go well. She wouldn't do this, or they wouldn't do that, and we have a whole list, but the point is that it's never going to go well because I'm starting the whole process. And I'm the one who creates these problems. So I begin to think life doesn't treat them right. Anybody think that it's not fair? Try so hard. So what do we do? We try harder. And we're trying to exert myself more just to get what I want. And I'm trying to, to make it exert myself in other people and in the world. So I become, on the next occasion, still more demanding or gracious, as the case may be. Still, the play does not suit him. It really never does. The human ego is never satisfied, right? We we say that, and it's never gonna it's never gonna suit us. It may suit us for a while, but then we're afraid that it won't go well tomorrow. And so, admitting we're somewhat at fault, he is sure that other people are more to blame. It's the story of our lives. I may be a little bit of fault, but they're more to blame. And what we're going to learn when we do our fourth step is we don't blame them anymore. They're, they're just who they are. They're just spiritual people just like us. And we have to look at our role and how we, how we uh, responded to them and how whether whatever they did was even true. And how did we react? He becomes angry. Anybody angry? Indignant. It's not fair. It's not self-pity. I feel sorry for myself because the play doesn't suit him. So here it is. What's, what's our basic trouble? So you have to ask yourself these questions, especially if you're new. See if it's true. Am I not really a self-seeker even when trying to be kind? It's always concerned with myself, what I think I need. And then we talk in, about fulfilling the instincts of life, the sex instinct, material social instinct. And am I filling those the way I think they need to be? Am I managing my life, what I want matters? Or is it what God wants that matters? And when we look at the second step proposition exercise, We'll look at that. What are we not willing to give to God? What are we still trying to manage? Now here is the key for me, the story of my life. I was, am I not the victim of the delusion that I can wrest satisfaction and happiness out of this world if I only managed well? And I think that started when I was four or five or six. I was trying to think what I could do to get approval, what I could do to be okay to look good in the world. I was very insecure. And I had this delusion that I would be, can rest, you know, just rest. You're going to rest it. You're going to, like, wrestle this out. Satisfaction and happiness out of the world if I just manage well. Now, that's a delusion that I had my whole life. And now I know that if I manage well, it doesn't mean, I don't even know what that means anymore. I just want to serve God and do His will. So I have to, I've gotten rid of that delusion because when I, when I think that I'm going to be happy and satisfaction and happiness if I only manage well, what happens is I've made the world my higher power. 
and I'm seeking approval all the time in all areas of my life. It's kind of, it was really sad. Because people would look and say, well, you know, he seems to have managed well, but no matter what you achieve, it's never enough, you know? No matter how, how good it is, it's never going to be enough, and I'll never manage well enough to be okay. Is it not evident to all of the rest of the players that these are the things he wants? See, people can see what I'm trying to do, and then it bothers them. And do not my actions make each of them wish to retaliate? So a lot of the conflicts that I had in my life were where I was acting, trying to manage the world and influence the way these people did things, and then they would retaliate, and uh, they want to snatch what they can get out of the show, especially at work situations. This is very common. Am I not at the best moments a producer confusion rather than harmony? People don't know how to deal with this because uh, we, we have varied traits, varied character defects, and we're just trying to get our way. It's very hard. And so this is how I played God. Our actor is self-centered, egocentric as people like to call it nowadays. So that's what we were. Thinking of ourselves without regard for other people. And they give the example, I'm a retired businessman, so I'm retired in Florida sunshine in the winter, so I have a great complaining about the sad state of the union. The minister who sighs over the sins of the 20th century. Politician reformers who are sure all would be utopia if the rest of the world would only behave. See, with the way we're looking at it, egocentric, you know, I'm in Florida in the winter sunshine, uh, people would just do, you know, blah, blah, blah. But here's the key. The outlaw safecracker thinks society is wrong. You know, it's not fair. I almost got away. You know, I took the wrong turn. And then the alcoholic who's lost on is locked up. You know, if I just didn't take the highway, if I just went down the side roads. And we don't think it's fair, right? And whatever our protestations, that means whatever our arguments and protesting over the way things have gone are not most of us concerned with ourselves, our resentments, or our self-pity. So we're excessively self-absorbed and unhappy over one's own troubles. I wrote bitterness or indignation at being treated unfairly. That's the protestations. Seeing something or uh, something is wrong. So that's what it looks like if you're living life on own self-will. So then it says selfishness, self-centered, that's we think is the root of our trouble. So when I'm trying to wrest satisfaction and happiness out of life by managing well and I have this delusion, then I'm centered on me and what I want. It's the root of my troubles. So there's no other root, there's only one root. And my troubles are because my soil, my tree of life is planted in my soil and not God's soil. When it's planted in my soil, I have all these character defects, and I have the resentments and fear and harmful actions, and it's not pretty tree. Anybody come in here with an ugly tree? Pretty ugly. Driven, 
by a hundred forms of fear, self-delusion, self-seeking, self-pity. Now, I didn't realize what they meant by this. So I, I was self-centered, and that's the root of my trouble. And when I'm self-centered, I'm never in control of my life. It's a delusion because I'm driven by fear. I'm driven by the self-delusion that if I could just manage well, seeking for self, self-pity. And in driven by, when I'm driven by that, I step on the toes of other people. And then they retaliate. It's not pretty, is it? So I was never in control of my life. I thought I was going to manage. I wasn't. My character defects were controlling my life. I was driven by them. Sometimes they hurt us seemingly without provocation, seemingly to who, but we invariably find that at some time in the past we've made decisions based on self, which later placed us in a position of being hurt. Now that line, I don't know about you, it still hits me. So sometimes they hurt me seemingly to me without provocation, but I invariably find that sometime in the past I have made decisions based on self, which later places us in a position to be hurt. And I can see that now when I look back on my life. People call me up. They're upset. The ex-wife, blah, blah, blah. She wants me to take them to football games on, when I have my weekend. And she signs them up for these games, and blah, blah, blah. And then I have to drive 20 minutes to take them to the games. And I said to them, well, uh, why'd you move 20 minutes away from her? You had a son. and then. Why don't you want him to play sports? Well, you know, it, it wasn't my decision and this and that. And I said, well, what do, does he want to play sports? And so, um, and then that affects his relationship with his son, and then he's fighting with the ex-wife, and then he's miserable with himself. And he could have just said that it's, I want to take him to the games. It's great. We have time together. So I said then when he's complaining, I said, well, I wish I had a son that I could take the games. I don't anymore. And, and I made decisions based on self. A lot of relationship decisions. Anybody else do that? And then I look back, I say, well, why did I do that? I made decisions about like what to specialize in in medicine. I don't know why I did it, but they were crazy decisions. And now I try to go to God when I make my decisions. And, and then when I, it puts me in a position to be hurt. And so if we look at where we are when we're hurt, we can go back and look at some decision we made. But that, it, it, it's sad when I look back at my life, but it's not sad today. But I, if I think back, because when you're retired, you have a lot of time to think. You know, you're not busy. Or I'll think about like in high school, why did I do this or that happened? And then you realize that uh, uh, that's just the way it was. And why did I do that? Because I was the manager, and I wasn't following God's will. So then you can forgive yourself, right? You made bad decisions, but you were doing the best you could at the time, but you were managing, and I didn't realize that I, management was God's job. And so that's, that's helped me. And at night, at the 11th step, we're supposed to ask God's forgiveness. And what corrective measures can we have for the next day? So we're to do that every day. So we don't carry around this shame and guilt anymore. So here's the key line. Joe and Charlie said it's one of the great promises in the big book. So our troubles, we think, are basically of our own making. 
So they get to page 62 where they tell you what your problem is. But you have to, you have to take the first two steps and be ready and be convinced that a life run on cell phone can't work. And now they're going to tell us that selfishness, self-centered was the root of my troubles, and my troubles, everything we think are basically my own making. Now, why is that a great, great promise? Because I'm the only one that can change. I can't change them. I can change the way I react. I can change the way I am spiritually. And so that um, I can change, and then my life will change. Now, if I think my troubles are their making, I can't change them. And actually, when you do the work, you realize they just are who they are, and they may never change. But you may change, and you'll relate better to them, and you get along better with people. So our troubles are my own making. They arise out of me. And here they go. The alcoholic is an extreme example of self-will-run riot. Now, I've noticed the more I uh, spend time with non-alcoholics, like in Bible study and church things, I see a lot of self-will. <laughs> but we're riot. You get it? And then why do we want to change? They don't want to change. They're right. You can't, can't argue. But we're desperate because we can't stop drinking, and our lives are a complete mess. So this is really, the desperation of the first step really is great. The, the hitting bottom, that, that mess we made, is actually a gift because it leads us to a whole different life. And self will run riot, and then here's Norm's favorite line, right, Stu? Though he usually doesn't think so. <laughs> and that's the problem. They rise out of me, they're my own making, and I'm an extreme example of self-riot, though I usually don't think so. And until I can see it, nothing's gonna change. Above everything. So I've asked people, what's above everything? I don't know. It's above everything. We alcoholics must be rid, must be rid of this selfishness that I wrote. How much must we be rid of it? All of it. But you see, we don't become perfect in AA. We have to fight it every day. So every day we're going to see our selfishness and we're going to learn tools on how we can be rid of it in the moment. Now, it says, I must or it's going to kill us. So um, if I don't get rid of the selfishness, it's going to kill me. Now, you may not physically die, but some people do. We've had some suicides lately. But um, I'll die spiritually, and my life will be a just complete mess. And then, of course, a lot of us drink and use and then die from that where we're just our lives, just a progression of misery. Now, I must be rid of it, it's gonna kill me, and, but it says God makes that possible. I can't do it. I can't do it through getting smart or trying harder. I tried harder to, do, to run the, the show, and the more I did, uh, the more exhausting. And, and remember Bill's favorite part, it says, on page 87, we're agitated alpha, we pause and ask God for the right of thought or action. And then we're not wasting so much time running the show. And we're not, it was exhausting running the world. Was anybody else tired? I do know when I gave up, and my life was a complete mess, and I asked God to help me, and I just gave up. I felt better. 
because I, I couldn't go anywhere. I couldn't fight. I couldn't do it. And today I try to stop quickly from it. And it says, many of us had moral and philosophical convictions galore, but I could not live up to them. I always tried harder. I'd say, I'm not going to get angry. I'm not going to get bothered. You know, I'll be do better, but I didn't have the power to react differently. Neither could we reduce my self-centeredness much by wishing or trying on my own power. I had to have God's help. Now why? Because God has all power and I had none. I'll just uh, read the next two lines, but I'll pick up with this on Saturday. So this is the how and why of it, step three. First of all, the how is, I had to quit playing God. Anybody agree? And the why of it is because it didn't work. It just didn't work. And it's never going to work. Now, if I'm disturbed today, no matter what the cause is, the problem is me because I'm disturbed because I'm back in self. I've had a lot of people argue about the spiritual axiom. Is it really true? Blah, blah, blah. But what he was getting at is that in the moment, as an alcoholic, it's a spiritual action, no matter what the cause. If I'm disturbed today by something, there's something wrong with me. I'm disturbed. I'm not with God. They're not talking about abuse when you were five years old and things like that. But we learn in the fourth step how we forgive, and we can look at these things that have happened to us and change the way we see these, these relationships so that we can forgive people. And then we don't carry that anger with us. But they're talking about, in the moment, playing God, it's never going to work. So knowing that, next, so first of all, I had to quit playing God. It doesn't work. I have to do that every day. Next, I have to decide that hereafter, in this drama of life, God was going to be my director. Now I'm going to stop there. It says, God is going to be my director in the drama of life. So where is the drama of my life? In my head. It's not out there. It's in here. So I'm walking around with this head full of drama. And somebody else is just sitting there happy. And I've got drama in my head. And why? Because I'm playing God. And when I play God, I have a lot of drama in my life. I have fear. I get angry and I make bad decisions. And God's going to be my director. Not that complicated. Now we're going to read and go through some of this on Saturday. But we can't let God be our director unless we face and be rid of the things in my life and the four steps that are blocking me from him directing my life. So we can make this decision and say we don't want to play God as much as we want. but. And it's not like you hear at meetings, I gave it, I took it back, and all this stuff. No. It has to be a constant thing, constant thing we're doing all the time. And we learn the tools to do that from the, in the rest of the pages, the next 26 pages. So if I want God to be my director, then how do I do that? I follow the directions from page 62 to page 88. and then. And then the next chapter, working with others, is how by working with others, I stay out of self, and I, 
and I go down that spiritual path with someone else. So I'll stop there. And it's going to be Thanksgiving tomorrow, and we should all be grateful for our sobriety. We should be grateful for our peace of mind. We should be grateful for this, the simple gifts. Because when we look back, the things that happened when we put ourselves in God's hands were better than anything I could have imagined. So tomorrow on Thanksgiving, of course, when this podcast gets put out, it'll be after Thanksgiving. But tomorrow, I'm going to think of all the things I'm grateful for, just simple things. And then we worry, like, you know, why didn't they score two touchdowns? And, and, the, and Mark's working on that. He's going to work on the Chiefs. But, you know, we're worried about that when 20 some years ago, I didn't know how it's going to live. You get it? So it's kind of trivial. All right. I hope people have heard enough about me. The Chiefs are fine. They're doing the best they can. It's just a game. Thank you.